Hey there, Mr. Reddit here. Welcome back to another episode of r slash Entitled Parent Stories. Our first story we'll be reading today, Karen Demands My Beach House. After that, you want us to follow the exact times the app says? Okay. And after that, am I the jerk for refusing to go to the same college as my stepsister? Now for every thumbs up this video gets, one Karen does not get to take anyone's beach house. Like you'd ever have one anyways, Reddit boy. So please smash that like button. And if you're new, subscribe and turn on notifications for new stories from Reddit every single day. Karen demands my beach house. 10 years ago, my parents passed within six months of each other. I was 33, male at the time, and my little sister, Sarah, was 23, female. Losing our parents at such a young age has been rough for the both of us, but probably more consequential for Sarah being such a young adult. Upon their passing, we inherited their home, a paid-off beach house on the Central Oregon coast. I pled with Sarah to keep it with me as a joint asset slash vacation home. Honestly, a lot of my motive was looking out for her and the fear of giving a 23-year-old her the one and only inheritance in one fell swoop that she could conceivably blow through and have nothing to show for it in a few years, especially as she was grieving in her natural party phase of life. I wasn't rich by any means, but was modestly comfortable with a steady job an employed wife, we're both nurses, and we purchased a townhome together a couple years prior. I saw the house as an appreciating asset, an opportunity to generate a modest monthly income that we could both use. Plus, who doesn't want a beach house in the family? We both lived in Portland, three and a half hour commute from the property. I saw it as an easy way to generate some steady income, but she wanted to cash out and move to California. Despite my pleas, I had no authority to stop her. The house appraised at $260,000 and my wife and I made the decision to buy her out, thus taking on a $130,000 mortgage. She got her check and did the things I feared she would do. Started with purchasing a new $40,000 SUV, YOLO'd to LA and leased a swanky apartment with her friend. I didn't hear much from her for the next couple of years as she partied it up and blew through the remainder of her money, then moved to Vegas for a while finally coming back to Portland two years ago with nothing to show for herself. As for me, keeping the house has been a struggle. It cost us countless expenses, bad luck with lousy tenants. In hindsight, we couldn't really afford the mortgage and I look at it now as a decade wasted and unnecessary struggles. The good news is the house is probably worth $420,000 now. We have three kids, a four-year-old girl and twins born last year. Our townhome is crowded to say the least, so we're looking to cash out the beach house and sell our home to buy a house to fit our growing family. I mentioned my intentions to Sarah, who freaked out, saying I can't, and that home is all we have left of our family, which is ludicrous. We didn't grow up there. Our parents bought that house four years before they passed with settlement money. I never lived in it, and Sarah only did for less than a year. She says everything I said about keeping it in the family was a lie, so I should sell it back to her for what I paid. I can see the manipulative BS aspect of her play here, but I think I feel pity and guilt for her because it seems like she's finally legitimately dealing with the trauma of our parents passing and emotionally clinging on to this house as a piece of them. I'm not giving it to her, wife would never let me, but kind of feeling like a jerk. Well, what would you do in this situation? Would you give your sister the beach house or not? Please let us know. She made her bed, now she has to lie in it. You want us to follow the exact times the app says? Okay. My previous job was as a driver for a company that delivered medications. We had two branches. One was delivering to pharmacies, 
The other was delivering special meds to private citizens. I was a driver on the second branch along with four other drivers. The first branch was pretty straightforward. The truck would go to the warehouse, load up and deliver to pharmacies. The second branch was a bit more complicated. The medications we delivered had special prescriptions and you could get them only from certain government pharmacies. Also important for later, the pharmacies didn't have the same stocks of medicines. Our daily schedule consisted of visiting at least one of the pharmacies, get the meds and start delivering them and picking the paperwork from the clients for the next day. That meant between 8 to 12 stops every day on a 150 mile radius. Now, the trucks were using an app for their itinerary to maximize their efficiency of their schedule. So, some higher up decided to make us use the same app. Immediately, that produced problems. First, as I said, the trucker's job was pretty straightforward. They went to the warehouse and were loaded up in half an hour and on their way. We, on the other hand, had to visit the pharmacies and wait in line. That could take between 5 minutes to 2 hours in each location. Second, and the one already noted by the truckers, was that the app didn't accommodate for traffic. And while it wasn't a big problem for the truckers that had 4 stops per day, for us it was a big issue. When it was first implemented as a test, we, the drivers, immediately saw our times starting to rise. The first week we used it, no driver finished with less than 90 minutes overtime a day. We talked about this to our manager and we got permission to not use it. One month later, word came down that we had to use the app and we had to follow the itinerary it provided. We expressed our complaints to our manager, but he couldn't do anything about it. The malicious compliance. Before the app, we started working at 7.40, gathered our paperwork, and finding which pharmacy had what medications so we could optimize our routes. The working hours were 8 a.m. to 1600. Those 20 minutes were unpaid overtime, but we never asked for it. Now we started working at exactly 8. We left the offices at 8.30 at best, from 7.50 before, and followed the exact route the app provided. That usually meant that instead of hitting the pharmacies just as they opened with the least amount of people waiting, we hit them in the middle of the day with a lot of people waiting in line. Instead of finishing our routes at 15.30 to 15.50, we finished at 17.30 at the earliest. The first department that got wind of the problem was accounting. They had five drivers going from about three hours a month of overtime to 35 hours of overtime. The higher-ups tried to weasel their way out of paying the overtime, but when we mentioned that the labor department was in our routes, we got paid the overtime. They kept the app running for another two months before they decided that it cost them too much money and cancelled it and we went back to our usual way of maximizing our routes. Am I the jerk for refusing to go to the same college as my stepsister? I'm 17, female, a senior in high school and making my college decision soon. I got into some really great schools for my major and I'm really excited for college. My parents divorced when I was 7 and I was living with my mom until she passed when I was 14. I've only been living with my dad and his wife for the past 3 years but my dad remarried Lisa when I was 9 and she has a daughter, Jan, who's 17, my age. My mom's family has been saving for me to go to college. My maternal grandparents have a 529 for me that they and my mom had been contributing to since I was a baby. It has more than $110,000 right now. Jan has really bad social anxiety and kind of clung to me when I started living with my dad. I guess because Jan didn't really have many friends before I came along, Lisa has taken to pushing me to spend a lot of my time with her. This has only worsened during lockdown, plus the fact that I don't really see her as a sister or a friend, more like a housemate. We didn't interact much when I was living with my mom because my dad would always take me out when I visited him. College decisions and financial aid have all come in 
and I got into my first choice school with enough aid that I can graduate debt-free with my mom's family support. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. With Mint Mobile, my connection is so much better than my previous wireless provider, and I'm saving so much now on my monthly bill. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new 3-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com/redder. That's mintmobile.com/redder. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/redder. Additional taxes, fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I absolutely love this school and its culture, and I really clicked with it when I visited. Jan, however, only feels comfortable going to the state school, which is great for her major that I also got into. Since finding out that I got into state, Jan and Lisa have started talking about the future as if we are going to go to school together and live together at school. When I told them that I got into and plan on going to first college, they exploded. Lisa said that I was abandoning Jan, and Jan has started crying a lot about not knowing anyone in college. Lisa said that if I didn't go to state with Jan, she and my dad would cut off financial support for college. I told her that my grandparents are paying, I got angry and said that if she cuts me off, I can write a really good essay about her cutting me off for more outside scholarships. Last weekend, I went over to my grandparents' house, told them about getting into first college, accepted the admission, and we ate ice cream. I went home and told my dad's family over dinner, and now Lisa has become extremely passive-aggressive about me not supporting family, and Jan just cries and pleads me to change my mind. My dad says that I should take back my commitment and lose $750 and commit to state to keep the peace at home. I might be the jerk because I know Jan will have a hard time adjusting to college without any familiarity and that me being there would help her, but I flat out refused without really talking to them about it. I also don't want to be around Jan forever. Edit. Wow, I honestly didn't expect this to blow up this much. I'm so sorry that I haven't been able to reply to many people, but I'm definitely reading through all the comments. Thank you so much for your support. I've been talking to my school and grandparents this week and will hopefully figure something out. So far, I've been able to mostly avoid Dad, Lisa, and Jan by staying in my room. I will definitely be sitting down and talking with them this weekend after I gather my thoughts and am able to go into the conversation with a clear agenda. Well, what do you think? Should OP go to the same school as Jan or not? Please let us know. I think OP needs to get as far away from them as possible. And what's with Dad not even sticking up for her against Lisa? Sometimes these stories really upset me. Entitled customer dislocated my finger, kept on shopping. Before lockdown, I worked at a big club warehouse in customer service. That job was great, and members were usually awesome. But every now and then, you'd find the most entitled jerks to ever walk the earth. Based on the way they treated me and others, I can only assume they don't even see us as human. We were only lifelike robots built to ring up their items and load their carts. One such incident that proves my assumption happened on a super busy Saturday. It was pouring outside. Members were fighting over parking close to the door, then bolting for the entrance as if their lives depended on it. 
As a courtesy to members, on rainy days, we always had someone outside in the front of the cart return bay to dry off the carts. This day was so busy, members were coming in faster than I could dry carts for them. Most were super nice and patient. They waited in line for a dry one, and almost everyone thanked me. A few, who were in a hurry or didn't care about dry carts, just skipped the line and grabbed a wet one. One such member rushed up and grabbed a wet cart from behind me. Sometimes carts get jammed or snagged together. Usually it's the buckles for the kitty seats getting tangled, but sometimes it's a warp in the cart from damage. This poor member grabbed one such warped cart and it dragged its buddy with it. The member attempted to dislodge it. He yanked. He twisted. He shook them. He looked at me and demanded, Help me get these carts separated. I offered him a dry one. Nope, he wanted that cart specifically for some reason. I abandoned my drying rag and attempted to pry the carts apart. It was like trying to separate two buffaloes in a hornlock. They refused to budge. I looked at the metal flap that allowed the carts to nest into each other. I saw where it was snagged and reached in to coax it free. I placed my other hand on the lip of the second cart to give me leverage while I untangled them. The member demanded loudly, Come on, I'm in a hurry. He decided I was clearly too incompetent to separate them, so he reached out to give the front one one more tug. At that exact moment, I loosened the second cart and the front cart sprang free. It launched forward, catching my thumb between it and the second stationary cart. I heard the pop sound of my thumb dislocating a few seconds before the pain hit me. I yanked my hand free. The member just looks at me like I'm nuts. There, all I needed was a cart. Was that so hard? I'm cradling my oddly shaped hand. Sir, I think you broke my finger. The member just shrugs, huffs, and walks into the, <laughs> into the warehouse. Looked like he forgot I existed the second he took his eyes off me. My supervisor witnessed the whole thing, but was more worried about me, not the member. He pulled me aside and radioed for ice. Lucky or unlucky, I am very pain tolerant. It's not the first joint I've dislocated. I also know the easiest way to end the pain is to reset the joint. I fiddle around with my weirdly dangly thumb until I feel it click back into place. My whole thumb was swollen and turning a lovely shade of purple. My supervisor got me sent inside to write up an incident report. He sent a posse of employees into the store to find the member and sentence him to banishment. But as it was insanely busy, they never found him. By far the worst customer ever. At least I got an extra day off and a great macabre story out of it. Am I the jerk for not giving my neighbor's kids good food? So I know that this is really stupid, but some of my friends have told me that I'm in the wrong here. To get started, here's our cast. We've got me, female 38. We've got neighbor, female 32. We've got my husband, male 39. We've got kid one who's eight, kid two who's seven, and my kid who's eight. My neighbor moved in not too long ago with her two sons. Seeing that she had a lot of unpacking to do, I went over to her house and offered to babysit her kids for her. She thanked me and walked her kids over to my house. I kept some of my son's toys from when he was younger, he's moved out already, and set them up in my yard. My daughter is fairly extroverted and immediately went outside to play with them. It was around noon at that time, so I started to make lunch. I made some turkey sandwiches with American cheese, a simple lunch that we always have. I brought out some plates so that the kids could eat outside on our benches. The kids loved it and 30 minutes later the sandwiches were gone and they were back playing soccer and tag. A few hours later, the neighbor's kids and my kid marched inside and sat down, tired. I put on some cartoons and told them I would be right back as I left to go get the neighbor to pick up her kids. 
She looked tired, but was happy that she didn't have to deal with the boys running around while she unpacked. She came over and took her boys. By this time, my husband was parking in our driveway, home from work. My daughter had a fun time telling her father all about the day while I ordered pizza on my phone. About five minutes later, while I was still asking what everyone wanted, I heard a knock on my door. It was the neighbor. I thought she was going to thank me again, but she got angry and shouted at me. The following is some basic dialogue from what I can remember, though this did happen a few weeks ago. Me. Oh, hey neighbor. Neighbor. Look, we need to talk right now. Me. Oh, sure. What do you need? Well, my sons told me that you gave them sandwiches for lunch. Me. Yes, I did. They really like. Well, that is not enough for my boys. They're growing boys, and they need to have good food, and not whatever you gave them. Me. Really? Yes. No. And I shut the door in her face. My daughter didn't really hear any of our conversation, but she asked me. I just told her that the neighbor didn't like sandwiches. She didn't bother to ask further and watched some shows in her room. My husband just laughed, and so did I. The lady got mad that I fed food to her sons for free, right? But as it turns out, three of my close friends told me that I was rude and I should have given them something better. We had mashed potatoes and some leftover pork that wouldn't take more than 29 minutes to heat up and serve, but I didn't feel like giving them that. I don't see the problem with what I did, but I trust my friends and I want to know if I should apologize. So Reddit, am I the jerk? Well, what do you think? Is OP the jerk for giving her neighbor's son sandwiches or not? Please let us know. I think your friends might just be messing with you, OP. Either that or it's time to find some new ones. You're not acting like yourself. A little background. I manage a hotel in a downtown metropolitan city. And during the lockdown, like many other hotels in our area, we've taken in shelter guests when they disperse the shelters for social distancing purposes. Most of our guests are in housing programs and the hotel doesn't have many rules. No visitors, only registered guests allowed upstairs. Don't smoke in the room, and if you're on anything, you need to stay in your room. The programs themselves have many additional rules to these, and if any are broken, the clients risk losing their accommodations with us, and possibly their program, meaning they'd be effectively exited to the street to fend for themselves. Now to the story. I had a guest who is generally very kind, but has gotten in trouble in the past for trying to sneak in visitors. We allow one visitor instance with a final warning. You do that and break any additional rules and you're out. This guest, who we'll call John, came down to the desk to renew his key and he was curious about a few things. He was asking if the hotel would ever let visitors into the hotel even as the state is going into phase three. I admitted that no, this would not be allowed during his stay because the visitors rule is not only for the hotel staff safety, but it's also a rule of their program in order to keep from relapse. He appeared to get really frustrated at this point and appeared to be insisting that we should talk to the program leaders to allow the clients to let their friends come and go as they please and let anyone and everyone into the hotel and into whomever's room so long as they know the name of the guest. I explained that even before lockdown, we couldn't do that for security purposes and I certainly wouldn't be talking to the program leaders to try and sway that as I will never put the safety of my staff and my guests in jeopardy like that. Certainly not for what I know he wants them up there for. He started saying that I was being very unreasonable and I leveled with him. Look, John, I may not understand what you're going through specifically, but I get being lonely. I never see my family anymore because I can't quarantine. I only get to see my boyfriend for one day a month if I'm lucky. 
I get what you feel. It sucks and it's hard to go through. But trust me when I say that it's better for you in the long run if you're not exposed to the people that you want to bring upstairs. They aren't good for your long-term progress and you've been doing remarkably well. This time he gets really angry and starts saying everything he was saying before and this time I notice his body language. His words are slurring ever so slightly. His eyes are glazed over and he's not really looking at me when he's speaking. There's three possible situations right now. One, he's been drinking. Two, he's on something. Three, he's overtired. I have a feeling we're sitting at two because he's coherent enough to have this discussion with me, which quite honestly, I was done having 15 minutes ago. And he's slowly building to an aggressive state, which won't be welcome at the desk. But I like John. He's nice when he's sober and he's really funny and he likes to joke around with me. I have to realize that this isn't who I'm talking to right now. I cut him off mid-sentence about why we should revolt against the state mandates and I say, John, are you feeling okay? And he stops and finally looks me in the eyes. You're not acting like yourself, I state boldly. His eyes get a little wider, like he's been caught. Your words are slurring and you're having a hard time focusing on what I'm telling you. He's just staring at me. He's definitely been caught on something in the lobby, which means if somebody finds out, he won't have to worry about bringing people upstairs because he won't have an upstairs to go to. Time for the final blow. I think maybe you should go lie down, I challenge. John's fright doesn't disappear as he slowly nods. Yeah, he says, his face going a little pale. Uh, I don't think I'm feeling well. Maybe getting a little head cold or something. I, I'm going to go lie down. And he left the desk without another word and went upstairs. Good idea, John. Now you won't lose your housing. You'll stay with your program and keep getting better. I'm sorry I had to do that, but scaring you was the only way to get you to stop. Now stop doing that stupid crap, John, before it gets you hurt. Free breakfast for the whole family. This happened a few months ago before lockdown. I used to travel with work and spent one week a month in a city 300 miles away. I found a lovely little family-run bed and breakfast place close to work and because I was a repeat customer, the owners let me have a good deal on their rate and I got to know them very well. There were only about six rooms in the place that were let out. This was a city on the coast that was the starting point for cruises, so mostly guests only stayed the night before their cruise sailed, not a few days. One morning I was just finishing breakfast. The B&B offered full English breakfast as standard. Sausage, bacon, eggs, tomato, baked beans, mushrooms, etc. Along with the usual toast, croissant, cereals, and juice. I usually just got toast because a full-cooked breakfast would just make me want to go back to bed. Anyway, the B&B owner did the breakfast cooking and he was popping in and out of the kitchen to check on the guests and take orders when the doorbell rang. It was new guests arriving. Check-in times were 2pm at the earliest because check-out was 11am and that would give him time to get the rooms clean. We could hear him explaining this. It was all in the paperwork and on the website and times had been clarified at booking. The new arrivals kept arguing they wanted to leave their luggage somewhere. Why couldn't they leave it in their room? Because it's not their room just yet. Other guests are still using it. David, the B&B owner, tried to explain that there wasn't space to leave their luggage other than in the dining room and that was a public area. And then they came marching into the dining room. Four adults and four kids. They asked where they should sit for breakfast. David explained that the breakfast was included after a night's stay, not before, and according to his records, only two adults and two kids were booked, not four. At this point, some of the other guests were leaving. 
We're British. We aren't good with people making a public spectacle. It's like secondhand embarrassment. So the adults began moving tables together. David asks them to stop. But we're hungry. We were told breakfast would be included. You owe us breakfast for making us wait for our rooms. He said they could have coffee, but he had to insist the tables remained where they were. This wasn't good enough. The kids started whining about wanting breakfast and started attacking the self-serve buffet area where cereals, pastries, and yogurts were set out. David asked them to stop and said that if they continued, he would have to increase their room rate. And they laughed, saying, We're not staying here. It turned out that one family of two adults and two kids were staying overnight before setting off on holiday the following day and they had met up with friends, the other two adults and two kids, and told them to come to get free breakfast at the B&B. One of the adults started complaining about the room rate and how it was so expensive that they deserved to get unlimited food, and the owner had been so unwelcoming and so rude as to order them around that they deserved money off the bill. Then they started talking about leaving bad reviews, so he should make it up to them. All of this took less than five minutes start to finish. It ended when David picked their luggage up and put it outside and told them to check their terms and conditions, which included a good behavior clause. One of the other guests asked if he should phone the police. One of the women burst into tears, saying her holiday had been ruined and she was going to sue for the cost of the cruise that she wouldn't enjoy, and one of the teens threw a yogurt against the wall. The other guest got his phone out and said he would be happy to give the police a witness statement that this rabble was assaulting the owner. Lots of shouting, threats, and noise, but they ended up getting locked out. At breakfast the next day, David told me that they had come back at 2 p.m. expecting the check-in as normal and weren't happy that he had canceled their booking because of their behavior. He said guests like that were the type that would deliberately wreck the place and then demand money off because the place was wrecked. Who the heck would be a small business owner and deal with the general public? Am I the jerk for not doing anything for my daughter's birthday? My daughter, let's call her Thea, turned 15 last Saturday and due to everything going on, we couldn't really celebrate it. I asked her a few days before if there was something special that she wanted to do and she said no. On the day of her birthday, I asked her if she wanted me to order a cake and she refused that too. She's introverted and doesn't like making a big deal of things, so I let it be. She spent most of her day talking to her friends on call and I cooked a nice dinner for her and my son. My wife is usually the one who organizes birthdays and stuff, but she's been living with her mother for the past few days due to some health issues. On most birthdays, my wife is also met with the I want nothing by my daughter, but she does stuff anyways. She usually bakes a cake, buys some gifts, and cooks all her favorite foods. The next day, on call, she asked me what I did for Thea's birthday, and when I told her my daughter didn't want a celebration, she blew up on me. According to her, my daughter is too shy to ask for things and doesn't like asking people to make a fuss about her birthday. She was very angry that I didn't even buy her a cake even after I repeatedly told her that Thea said she didn't want a cake. According to her, these are things that should be done without asking. I would like to mention that my wife coddles my kids a lot. I thought that was the end of the conversation. Later in the evening, my brother-in-law showed up with cake and gifts for Thea. My wife probably asked him to do so, but he's very close to the kids, so I didn't think much of it. But then he jokingly said to me, what kind of father doesn't buy cake for his kid's birthday? I told him the same thing again and he said that having your birthday during everything going on is horrible enough and I should have just bought some cake. I agree it is, but she said she didn't want it. It's been annoying me a lot. I hate how both my wife and brother-in-law keep implying that I don't know what my own kid wants. I just want to know, am I really the jerk? I just did what my daughter asked. More information. 1. 
I did not do nothing for my daughter. I made pizza for dinner, which she loves. I also sang her the birthday song and hugged her really tight. There was someone who had a problem with that. My daughter isn't big on physical contact, but she likes to hug people on their birthdays. It's a tradition she started. I was not forcing her to do something that she didn't want to do. 2. The whole buying the cake on the same day. I don't know how hard it is where you live, but as long as I can remember, cakes are bought on the day of the birthday. I did not know this was something people didn't do. Unless of course it's a customized cake, and we haven't done that for the kids since they were 10. 3. My wife is not a horrible person. A little bit overbearing, sure. She did wish my daughter a happy birthday in the morning, but she's busy taking care of her mother. Update. Wow, I can't believe the number of things people picked apart from this post. Some of you are worse than English teachers trying to find hidden meanings in blue curtains. However, I decided to apologize to her. I did speak to my daughter. I set her down and apologized for not doing anything or buying a cake, and her only response was, Papa, chill. It's just a birthday. I did give her money, and before you get on my case of how unthoughtful that is, she usually spends her money on books or clothes. I feel those are hard things to pick for anyone, not just my daughter. I would rather she buy something she likes than be stuck with something she doesn't. I think the major problem for people is that I waited till the day of her birthday to buy her a cake, which means I don't care about my daughter. I don't know what to say about that. Getting a good cake isn't that hard. People keep saying I should have pre-ordered so they don't run out of cakes. If the store doesn't have what I want, I'll just go to another store. There's a million of them. Also, that one person who got on my case for saying my daughter instead of our daughter needs to calm down. I'm going to end this here. Thanks to all the people who sent me an award. Well, what do you think? Is OP the jerk or did he do nothing wrong? Please let us know. I dare you to not get me a cake on my birthday, Mr. Reddit. Am I the jerk for taking away my pregnant wife's credit card because she keeps ordering food that's bad for our baby? My wife is six months pregnant and cravings are hitting her hard. I sympathize with that. But unfortunately, it seems like her cravings are all for things that our doctor has specifically told us to avoid for the health of our baby. She just can't seem to control herself when the cravings hit. She ends up door dashing the forbidden items. It's not like she's done this once or twice either. And the last week, she has ordered Subway four times and sushi twice. This has been going on for months. I've tried to convince her to make these things at home with approved ingredients, but she says they just aren't the same. I've asked her to consider the health of our baby, and she says that her mental health is more important. I can't help but think that this is a ridiculous notion. Foregoing uncooked lunch meat and seafood isn't going to give her emotional trauma. I'm the main breadwinner in the house and decided to cut off her access to our cards for the time being. I think this might make me a bit of a jerk because it makes me feel more like her parent than her partner. But I am a soon-to-be parent. I need to protect my kiddo. Edit. Sushi and Subway aren't the only things that she's been eating on the forbidden list. Those were just the examples from the last week. I probably should have included that in my OP. She's also eating a lot of undercooked meat and eggs, drinking energy drinks, had a few glasses of wine, etc. Edit 2. Doctor has been informed of her diet choices. He sternly told her that she needs to change that. She refuses to listen to him about this too. Edit 3. I accept that Reddit thinks I am the jerk. However, I still feel this is justified behavior. I will not allow my wife to have a credit card until she agrees to follow the doctor's recommendations for the health of our child. She still has access to our Amazon account with the card saved and is free to shop for whatever needs she has. But the only food that will come into the house is what I bring home from the grocery shopping or if we plan to get takeout together. Oh, and all the people recommending that book, Expecting Better by Emily Oster, no thanks. She is an economist, not a medical doctor, not even a scientist in the field of biology. 
I will continue to go by the guidelines set forth by medical professionals. You definitely haven't seen this video yet, so please come watch it next and we'll see you when you get there. And support our channel by becoming a member today and we'll give you a special shout out in our next video. And why not have us make a special video for an event you have coming up? Just come visit us on Fiverr, link pinned in the comments below.